Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Allison Krejci Giddens with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Allison, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Happy Monday. How are you? Happy Monday. We're doing great. We've had a productive morning. We've overcome some hurdles, technology-related and supply chain-related. So, hey, and it's gorgeous outside, right? It is. It really is. I don't have a window that opens in my office, <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out how to do this without necessarily causing bodily harm. <laughs> Stay tuned. we get the update 11 tonight. We'll see. But, hey, today... Allison, great to have you here. Greg White is out there on assignment somewhere across the globe making it happen. But today is the buzz, a live show that comes at you every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. Allison, we're going to be discussing a variety of news, developments, topics, themes across global business. And as you know, Allison, we've got a big guest joining us around 1225 p.m. Eastern time today, as we'll be joined by Kerry Shapiro, Vice President of Sourcing Execution with Georgia Pacific. Stay tuned for that. Allison, she'd be a great guest, huh? Yes, I'm excited. She's awesome. She is. And we had a little fun pre-show celebrating Georgia Tech and Georgia rivalry. So stay tuned. If nothing else, stay tuned for that. And we want to hear from you. Give us your take in the comments throughout the show. We'll be sharing those. And if you're listening to the podcast replay, we usually drop the replay on Fridays after the Monday live show. So if you're checking that out, hey, join us for a live show and pack a turkey sandwich and bring your perspective. And make sure you share your voice. That's really important, Allison. We're trying to help folks be heard, right? Yes. You got turkey sandwich or PBJ, good old-fashioned PBJ, you know? <laughs> you know what? That's a great suggestion. I'm not sure the last time I had a PB&J. I was just thinking about that last week. I'm like, I, that's what I need to do. I need to go to the grocery store, get a loaf of bread because, yeah. <laughs> Comfort food, right? Comfort food. Right. All right. So speaking of other things that's absolutely vital beyond comfort food as we navigate our journeys, let's talk about resources. We're in the resource providing business. So one of the things we want to share with you all, U.S. Bank released the freight payment index last week for Q3 2023. It's full of actual insights and critical data and key takeaways to really help business leaders interpret what's taking place in this domestic freight market as challenging as it may be. And Allison, it's a free resource. It's free to subscribe. How about that? Yep, it is. Money back guarantee, Allison. (laughs) Right? So folks, if you want to get the quarterly report, check it out. We're going to drop the link there and you're one click away. Allison, one of the things I really enjoyed, you beyond your sense of humor, which I enjoy regularly, but some of your writing, And it wasn't a month or two ago, I think it was, where you put together kind of a shipping experience since you lead a manufacturing operation in Atlanta. That was gold, Allison. That was gold. (laughs) we got to find a link for that. So glad you enjoyed that. I did not enjoy it at the time. (laughs) You enjoyed writing a lot better than experiencing. Is that what you're saying? Uh, Pretty much. All right. Well, hey, y'all check out the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index. Really, really good stuff there. And... One other resource we want to give you front and center is our LinkedIn newsletter, which we've had a blast putting together. With that said, we're, let's see here, we, Allison, we're about 56 issues in. So let's just over a year. Wow. We've been putting this together. So this time we're sharing news and data from across industry and 
Allison. It's a content tidal wave out there. So reminders of upcoming live events for the week that comes. That's one of the great reasons that folks subscribe. And we're, let's see here. Greg always gives me a hard time because I get exact, but 23,271 subscribers thus That's far. not bad. That's not, not too bad. shabby. No. We'll take it, Allison. Now, did you ever check this out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of how I know what's ahead. Ah. I mean, like you said, it's information overload everywhere, right? So you can yes. kind of get lost in feeds. So it's nice to be able to go to one place and say, oh, there's my snapshot. There's my stuff happening next week. I love it, Allison. Always the shrewd business leader and content digester. Is that a word? Dude. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the word I'd use to describe me. Oh, yeah. Well, Allison, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Going back to what you were saying a minute ago, it's content overload. It's a tidal wave of information and really trying to pick your spots and pay attention to the information that will help you navigate rather than all the noise out there, I think, as you put it. Yeah, and it can be noisy. And then you have decision fatigue on, all right, which ones am I going to keep on my radar? Which ones mm. am I going to on my calendar? So it's nice to have a one-stop shop. I agree with you. All right. So, Allison, we have got to get to work. Are you ready? Got a lot going on. Let's do this. We do. Now, we're going to start with more challenges out there, right? I want to talk about a supply chain bottleneck that evidently continues to get worse. We've covered this, I think, a couple different times, but it continues to persist. What we're talking about is electrical transformers. So as reported here by PV Magazine, transformers, of course, are critical for all sorts of industries, from new home construction to battery energy storage systems, which I learned is a new acronym. B-E-S-S. -S. And folks, you've seen them, whether you think you've seen them or not. Those cylinder-looking things on those utility poles, those are transformers. Or you might see a green box on a sidewalk, oftentimes outside of buildings or homes. Those are transformers. And for what I understand, I will defer to the electrical engineers and really smart people out in our audience, but they take the energy coming in from the power grid and transform it into a type of electricity that our homes and, and other businesses can tap into. So kind of important, but we're seeing shortages of these transformers globally. In particular, the supply appears to be tightest in the U.S. and European markets. And of course, Allison, you know what happens when supply goes down, pricing goes up. That's the only thing I remember from my economics <laughs> class back in the day. According to Kevin Shang with Wood McKenzie, the minimum lead time for transformers of all sizes has reached over a year now. Rose Quint with the National Association of Home Builders says that the supply of transformers has been in decline since 2018. At that time, the Trump administration placed tariffs on transformers imported from China, amongst other things. And that has led, uh, by some accounts, to a roughly 90% decline in Chinese-made transformers. So, of course, that's certainly one of the big challenges there. So, Allison, your thoughts on what we're seeing? Yeah, not too long ago. I think it was might have been earlier this calendar year, early 2023. I visited a manufacturer that actually manufactures transformers in Northeast Georgia. Really? Yeah. And it was fascinating. And they were saying a lot of this back then, but they said this has been a problem for a lot longer than even before 2018. And one of their points they made was transformers really ultimately haven't really changed since the 50s, 60s, 70s. And a lot of them in suburban America and rural America, a lot of them have not been changed since then or swapped out or not Updated. refurbished. You don't really refurbish, but you know, <laughs> replace, I suppose is the better word. But a lot of those just hasn't happened. So now not only are you dealing with the growth of areas needing the you know, improvement in the electrical grid and infrastructure, Right. But you're also having to replace the existing stuff. So it's scary, not only for growth, but for resiliency of right. the electric grid. 
It's a great call out because we have plenty of infrastructure challenges in general, right? It's been well documented. We've all probably seen it at times. And then what I understand, Allison, I think it was either in this PB Magazine article or somewhere else, but as we're looking to upgrade, to your point, the infrastructure so that it can power new things, these transformers are going to have to be new and improved in the latest and greatest technology. So it looks like we've got our hands full regardless. And Josh, great question. Is it raw goods or shipping constraints? It's really beyond the tariff related. It's raw goods. It's labor. It is shipping. It is, I think, for domestic production of these transformers. I think either this source or someone else told me that tariffs have been placed on the types of metal that go into the making of transformers. So really, Allison, that's like a Baskin-Robbins 54 flavors of challenges related to these production and supply of the transformers. So 54 flavors? Uh, I think it's 31. 31. It's close. Yeah, it's Inflation. close. Inflation. <laughs> um, it's, it's a lot of flavors. If you mix, I think it's an additional flavor. Right. I think that because we are in such a precarious position right now with supply chain in general, that all it takes is one of those tiny little problems, whether it's a workforce development or workforce shortage issue, which one would argue is not that tiny, but mm. you know, all it takes is... If you've got productivity in one of these assembly plants or in one of these manufacturing facilities, you've got 10% less production. Oh. Just think how that resonates. Just think how that impacts mm. the overall supply chain. Also, going back to where you started, you mentioned the plant tour. Folks, if you haven't been leaning in and taking advantage of the plant tours out there, whether you're in Georgia or across the globe or whatever, you're really missing out. You know, We're going to maybe touch on this later, but Allison, I love how y'all open your plant for students to come in and open their brains and change maybe their assumptions about the manufacturing industry. So love the good stuff y'all do there. Catherine, it's a great reminder. Folks, you tune into the live version of The Buzz every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time, and the replay is right there for you. If you got to step out and save the world on Fridays, we drop that in our podcast channels. Well, let's talk about some holiday shipping predictions for 2023. As our friends over at ThomasNet here well, they're making some holiday shipping predictions for 2023. So before we get into some of these, do you want to add your own bold prediction for the holiday shipping season 2023? Well, I think that people are going to be spending some money this year, which is kind of interesting because I, I don't remember where I read it, but I do remember that credit spending yes. has gone up a little bit. So it's just kind of interesting because, you know, you hear of people talking about how the job market is starting to kind of simmer down and you've got people kind of starting to not necessarily hoard cash for the future. But I think that was the thought that people were going to hang on to some cash with a big unknown question mark. Right. But I keep seeing people spending a lot of money like it, there's no tomorrow. So yes. I don't know. What are you feeling? Well, so back on your first point about credit, yeah, I think it's first time that U.S. credit debt has surpassed a trillion dollars, if I read that right. So they're definitely leveraging that. And then here's a did you know, Allison, and everyone out there, about 40% of consumer goods that arrive on U.S. East Coast ports, well, all that traffic comes through the Panama Canal. And as we've discussed here numerous times, Allison, the Panama has been dealing with drought conditions that has impacted the passing through the canal. Less water, as y'all might expect, presents a number of challenges, including container ships being forced to carry fewer containers. So let's all pray for rain and lots of it while they explore other construction solutions. So th that was one of the things that uh, our friends at ThomasNet pointed out. A few others 
the smearing effect. Now, the notion's not new to me. The term is new because it refers to how shopping for the holiday season isn't just contained to end of the year these days. You know, and of course, that presents additional supply chain management complexity for sure. And Allison, if we have anything in abundant supply, it is supply chain management complexity. Would you agree? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Consumer demand is up. And you were kind of speaking that earlier, but only a smidge. A variety of data research points to single digit gains on spending year over year. And this last one, cyber attacks, of course, are way up. Cargo theft is up. In fact, ThomasNet reports that there's been a 600% increase this year alone in bad actors pretending to be trucking businesses so they can steal freight. Allison. Wow. How about that? That is wild. But I I think to your point, too, on the consumer spending in general, I'm fascinated because you hear a lot of the talk about how groceries are so much more expensive nowadays. So, I mean, food is a huge part of the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, everything in between. So as consumers start buying more for the food part of the holidays, does that impact the overall budget that they have for spending on gifts? Right. And if so, is it just going to make people bust their budgets quicker? All of those things, I think. And I'll tell you, speaking of theft, man, you finish up shopping at the grocery store these days and you feel like you've been robbed. No kidding. All right, so Allison, before I ask you additional thoughts, Josh says, I predict a backlog on Barbie-themed toys and double the credit card debt. I can get behind both of those observations and predictions. Allison, your thoughts, what else sticks out in your mind? I hear a lot, so I'm kind of involved in the nonprofit space too. Ah. And I hear a lot about how nonprofits are really hurting this year for lots of reasons. I don't know. I would like to say that maybe there'd be a trend where we all stop buying stuff <laughs> and start supporting our local favorite nonprofit instead. I mean, think about it. that's a great present to get people who say they don't need anything or, you know, could get themselves anything when they want it. So what do you get the person that has everything? You find a nonprofit that maybe speaks to you and donate in their name. So I I would love to think that that is a possible trend. So if I say it out loud, it'll happen, right? Is that how that works? Speak it to the universe is what we say around here. All right. All right. So I'm going to come back to that because you brought up a great topic. I want to ask you a question in particular. So folks, to kind of bookend our second topic here today as we're kind of shooting through some holiday shipping predictions for 2023. All right. Back to these nonprofits, Allison. You know, we've been involved through the years, just like you in a variety of nonprofits. And the one thing that really sticks out is despite where the economy is, if it's just rolling or if it's just, you know, down in the dumps or whatever, these nonprofit needs they're still there. But to your point, the giving levels can drop because folks are feeling the pinch or whatever, or maybe there's just more stuff. So in particular, I want to ask you about the Dave Krejci Foundation, one of our favorite nonprofits. I love how practical this is. So Allison, tell us what y'all do at the Dave Krejci Foundation. Sure. So we help kids play sports when their families can't afford it. We're based in Metro Atlanta, but we really encourage, I mean, if you're not in Metro Atlanta and you are somewhere else out in the universe, Nothing's stopping you from doing something similar or setting up something similar. But yeah, it's just a everything from when a kid's parents are going through a tough financial time, long-term or short-term, and we help pay the fees. So it's a good mission, good cause, and we've got a great board, great volunteers. Yes, it is. The Supply Chain Now team can personally vet and recommend the Dave Krejci Foundation to you. We're big, big believers and supporters. And look at this. This was accurate as of this morning, Allison. It may have changed a little bit, but talk about need meet solution over 
1,300 kids as these fees skyrocket because schools have budgets as well, right? And challenge as well. Dave Krejci Foundation steps in, covers the fees. In some cases, the equipment needs as well, Allison, right? At the very minimum, we've got some great contacts that specialize in that arena. So we kind of connect the resources to the people that need them. Love that. We're grateful for y'all's support for sure. Well, we're here. Love the great things you are doing, the meaningful, real outcome-driven, helpful things you are doing. Folks, y'all can learn more at DaveCrecci.com. Is that right? You got it. All right. So folks, check out the Dave Crecci Foundation if you really want to get behind uh, a great local effort. And I liked Allison's other point she made. If y'all are out there in Cleveland or Anaheim or across the globe, I bet if you give Allison a ring, that she may, may have some best practices for how you can set up a similar initiative in your neck of the woods. Thank you, Allison. As much fun as we've been having here, folks, we're about to go to ludicrous speed. Got a great guest here. So, Allison, we had a lot of fun in the pre-show as well. Delighted to welcome in our guest who's doing big things in industry, especially the manufacturing and the forestry industries. And when she's not at work, she's volunteering at places like Path Builders, where she's helping women fulfill their immense potential in their careers. All around doing just great work. I want to welcome in Carrie Shapiro, Vice President of Sourcing Execution with Georgia Pacific. Carrie, how you doing? Great. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Hey, listen, my kids had Transformers on their Christmas list. I knew in some way, shape, or form that joke was coming today, Carrie. And hopefully they are Autobots and not Decepticons. That's all I can say. <laughs> Love it. All right. So, Carrie, great to have you. We had a great time pre-show. Big thanks to all of your team as well to help making things happen. And Allison, you know, we had a little fun, as I mentioned, I think, in the Georgia Tech and the UGA rivalry. I'll have to go check that out. But where I want to start with in the little fun warm-up question is in certain parts of Australia, it is Recreation Day today. Now here in the metro Atlanta area where all three of us reside and work and enjoy, it's been gorgeous, 70 degrees and sunshine. I mean, this is a perfect time of year. So I'll ask you both uh, and start with you, Carrie. What is one thing you like to do outside for recreation here in Atlanta? Well, I love shooting hoops in the driveway with my boys and they have now come to a point where they both beat me. So we try to play horse. That's one sport that I can beat them at. The other okay. thing I love to do is garden, which we're coming out of that season. So I've been covering up my plants with cold weather we had last week, but I love to be out in the yard and digging in the dirt. Love that. You know, and you're right. We have reached in. In fact, today, as of this morning, Allison and Carrie, I had an automated sprinkling system. Oh, this is a timer that goes off at like six in the morning for my little weed garden in the backyard. And I finally turned it off today, which makes me sad. It's the end of the season a little bit. One little quick follow-up, Carrie. When it comes to basketball, are you schooling your kids on dunking or the fade shot or the sky hook? What's your go-to? I'm a shooter, so I can shoot the three-point better than they can. Okay. They're more the, you know, the jump shot and the layups, but I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to take them to school on the three-pointer. I believe you. I absolutely believe you. All right. So, Allison, same question. I might be tough to top between basketball and gardening. What's one of your favorite things to do outside this beautiful time of year? I like going to different festivals and things like that that pop up around town. Autumnal festivals, whether it's a barbecue fest or a beer fest or things like that. I know Metro Atlanta is not short on festivals. So, But I was really boring this weekend. This weekend, <laughs> I just opened windows and cleaned. So... <laughs> I don't know if you really call that recreation, but. Well, hey, at least you've got some windows at home you could open as opposed to your office, right? There you go. See? Yes. It's always a brighter side. And autumnal. Is that the word you said? Yes. Autumnal. So that like a seasonal. Okay. 
Yeah. Learning, I'm expanding my vocabulary here, Allison. Very <laughs> grateful for that. All right. And I agree with you. There's no shortage of festivals. There was a really big, I think a first year music festival at Piedmont Park a week or two ago that seemed to go really well. But you hit the nail on the head. Barbecue and beer, sign me up. Never fear, wherever it may be, that's where I'd love to be this time of year. All right. So let's keep driving. We got some three big topics we want to get into with Carrie in just a second. But Carrie, First, for perspective and context, and we can't get enough context in this crazy world we live in right now. Can you share a little information about Georgia Pacific for the two or three people that may be unaware and your role there? Yep. Hopefully you guys know GP. Georgia Pacific is one of the largest producers of forests and consumer products. Manufacturing is our bread and butter. We have about 120 manufacturing facilities across the U.S., we employ about 30,000 folks. So a big employer in not only Georgia, but across the U.S., mm. We also make Dixie plates, we make packaging, we make building products. So hopefully you all have seen the Georgia Pacific name in your buying patterns. And, you know, you go out and get those Dixie plates for our holidays coming up and fill it with your expensive food that we talked about earlier. So my role at GP is on the sourcing side, and I'm tasked with transforming our sourcing organization over the next several years to really build more robust supply chains, build more competitive buying practices, and really participate in this digital transformation that we've all been seeing over the last several years. So big heavy lift. I'm excited to be leading this team and getting to talk to you guys today about supply chain. We are too, Carrie. And man, what a incredible and not daunting, because I think you and Allison both strike me as fearless, but a big project that, you, that you're leading there. And Allison, one of the things that folks are driving through Atlanta as a holiday destination, of course, the GP Tower is an iconic part of the Atlanta skyline. But Allison, am I overselling that? It sounds like a pretty important project. Yeah. I mean, when you hear digital transformation, you figure that they already kind of have their game plan, but from the sound of it, it's kind of like, here you go. Here's, here's the puzzle. And we're not sure if we have all the pieces, but we know you'll figure it out. So oh. I think daunting is an appropriate word. Okay. Because daunting can be a good thing. It can be challenging. Challenges aren't all bad, right? They aren't. They make us better and stronger and not to be too dramatic, but, you know, taking what we've learned over the last three or four years and applying it so we can really navigate the next constant curveballs, big or small, to hit organizations. That's a critical part. I heard Carrie say the word robust supply chain. And it's funny because I'm so used to hearing resilient supply chain. Robust, like that's different. Yes. I like that. It conjures up all kinds of images. A lot of good stuff. We'll have to have you back and get an update from you as you and your team continue to make progress in these daunting times that we live in. But Carrie, I'm sure you got a lot of things on your plate, but we talked pre-show about three topics across global supply chain, manufacturing, you name it, that are really seem to be front and center for you. Where are we starting? Let's start with the first one there. What is that? So I think a trend we're seeing is really building that word robust and agile supply chains. So when we think about agility, it's it's we can pivot when there is a disruption, when there's volatility across our world, which we see every day. Building an agile and robust supply chain enables us to pivot more quickly than we have ever in the past. And part of that is having visibility to your whole supply chain, right? And it's got to be real time. It's got to be dynamic. I think we've come up in a world of kind of static looking in the rearview mirror and we are much better positioned to have real-time visibility so we can be responsive and really make good calls, make better business decisions. 
I think we're seeing more supply chain collaboration. So better partnerships with our suppliers and our customers. So in the vein of that visibility, they can see our inventories, we can see theirs, and we're better together. We're better with a full picture rather than just a snippet of the picture. So we're seeing more and more of that. And the challenges in that are just enabling big, giant ERPs to have the visibility and how do we put stuff on top of it to be able to see it real time and with accurate data. I think another thing that is really important in agile supply chains is simplification. Yes. We have really complexified, if that's a word, yes. our supply chains to the detriment of our businesses, to the detriment of the folks working inside the supply chains. And so to the extent we can better understand our current states and really simplify those supply chains, we're much better served. And then the other piece of that visibility and the agility is enabling smart ordering, where we have opportunities to automate and really see what our levels are. How can we really be smarter about those transactions as opposed to just, hey, we order three, we're going to order three every third day. And that's kind of what we do. It's really that agility of responsiveness to what's happening in production, what's happening with your lead time, what's happening with your suppliers. I think that agility is really important and an important trend that we're seeing across the supply chain industry. Yes. And I also get your take here, but Carrie, I love how you kind of share some examples of what that means to the GP team. Because I think you know, as we hear these different words and they're used all the time in conversations, that context in terms of how we're going out there and grabbing agility and put it in a headlock and bake it into our enterprise. I love those examples you shared there. Allison, what'd you hear? I really liked the fact that y'all are working with your suppliers to everybody get on the same page and everybody sing from the same sheet of music. And I think that's been a, a huge challenge and maybe it's lower hanging fruit than we've given it credit for for a long time. It's been really interesting in, in my business to see when we're having an issue, say with the completion of a project, and yet I need more material to have those conversations with the supplier and say, hey, here's what I'm looking for projections in terms of the future. And how can we make sure that the problems that we're experiencing now, we don't see again. And it's just these conversations that everybody kind of looks at themselves and goes, why haven't we been having these already? Yeah. <laughs> right. And you know what? When you have a good partnership with your suppliers and your customers, that's so much easier to do. That's such an easier conversation. When we're kind of keeping stuff close to the vest and only worrying about ourselves, that's a difficult thing. But the partnership is the key there. Yes. We could spend a couple of hours, I think, just on this first topic, because I loved how you talked about better decision-making, better, faster, and more confident decision-making, the supplier relationships, which are so critical, making it easier for our people to not complexify, just stealing your yeah. word there, but making things simpler. That's real powerful. And your people appreciate it, right? Oh, they can be more yeah. successful at their jobs. And then finally, I heard it put somewhere, and so y'all bear with me. I've heard supply chains are like rivers, agile ones flow around obstacles while rigid rivers might just end up being damned. That's what I heard, Carrie and Allison. That's what I heard. Okay, Carrie, man, you have brought it today. Rain down like a thunderstunk that you may do with your kids out while you're hooping in the, in the um, driveway. Let's talk about risk management, Carrie. Absolutely. I mean, I think we've all are still reeling from the post-COVID era and understanding our risk is the first component of risk management. Where do we have volatility in the supply chain? Where do we have single points of failure that we have to really shore up? I think we've seen more onshoring after, you know, what we saw in the ports and with Ocean Freight 8X, what it used to be at some parts of COVID. I think we're seeing more multi-sourcing. So thinking about really, where do I have 
single source supply bases that can get me if there's a labor shortage or if there's a plant closure or if there's a port congestion or excessive tariffs. How do I shore up that risk with multiple supply sources? And then really that picture of inventories. I mean, I think if we are using the math and we build algorithms that build that volatility in, as opposed to everybody kind of hoarding, it's much healthier and much more effective. We do a fair amount of algorithmic work rather than I think I feel it's like, how much does the supply chain tell us I should hold based on volatility factors, based on lead time factors? And that's really, you know, having good data, having accurate information and building that into your system. Mm. Allison, I'll come to you next, but you know, when she mentioned inventory, my dear friend, Mark Preston once told me, think of inventory. If you remember the old Geico commercials where it had the stack of bills with eyeballs, think of your warehouse are filled with those little dollars Stacks with eyeballs. Cash, yeah. Lots of cash. That's right. Allison, your thoughts about risk management and some of Carrie's comments there. It's not lost on me that when risk management now, and especially in an industry like GPs, is you're having to anticipate things that you have no idea what they're going to look like in the future. I mean, you've got, we saw it with COVID. Nobody could have predicted a pandemic. I don't care who tells you that they know things. Right. They couldn't have predicted what we saw. So what's the next pandemic? What's the next world crisis? What's the next shortage? And these are all things that I think if you're in systems thinking and you've got to see how it all connects, uh, these are all things like a business like GP, heck, any business really needs to be thinking ahead that far. Right. Yeah. Then the world economy, I mean, you think about what's happening in Ukraine and in the Middle East, that's all mm. having an effect on our supply chains. Maybe not today, but certainly in the future. So it is a jigsaw puzzle for sure. It really is. I was getting ready for a couple of recent interviews. I was doing some Googling on some of these themes. And every so often I'd pull up a resource from 2018 or 2019 even. It talked about some of the challenges in global supply chain. And it just... <laughs> It's like you it's can cute. almost tell them the, <laughs> the, and you don't even know what's coming, really. We've all, of course, we all suffer from that or benefit from hindsight. But uh, nevertheless, speaking of Allison and Carrie, to add to this, McKinsey recently released its findings from its 2023 supply chain pulse survey. Now, I bet this won't surprise either y'all and, of course, our audience, which is the smartest audience in all of global digital media. But the topics risk and resilience still dominate the priorities for executives based on their data. And also twice as many companies say they're leveraging nearshoring this year as opposed to last year. And with more respondents and a related note are saying they're setting up regional supply chains more so yep. than global supply chains. And Carrie, you're nodding your head. That makes a lot of sense to you, huh? Yeah. See, much more localization of supply. So I may not carry it, but I have it 20 minutes away. And we see a surge in distribution because of that. And again, where you have partners in distribution, you really should rely on them and, and help them build out a more robust supply chain with you. I'm with you. I love your view. Allison, I love her view on that supplier trust-filled and open and transparent and you know where the whole ecosystem can benefit those types of relationships with suppliers. That's what I'm talking about. Allison, your quick thought there? I agree. And I think it goes, it speaks, it reminds me that there's kind of a, a story that goes, and I'm going to abbreviate it here. It talks about there's a rare egg, okay? You have a rare egg and these two scientists come across it. And then one scientist says, I need this to help solve my problem. And the second scientist says, no, 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 I need it to solve mine. And they get into this fight and the egg almost breaks. And then through conversation, they start learning, no, this scientist needs the yolk and this one needs the shell. Ah. So had they not had these conversations both problems couldn't have been fixed. So I think to Gary's point, it's, you know, when you talk to your, to your 
distribution channel and you talk to your your stakeholders there, then for all you know, you're after the same thing. We talk a lot about mutual benefit with our customers and with our suppliers. And that's exactly the rear egg story of mutual benefit. Agreed. You know, when we're getting really frank and we're really involving folks across the ecosystem in these conversations and you get down to brass tacks, it's amazing the solutions where everyone can win, how often those can come to the table. So I love that. I'm going to steal that egg analogy from you there, Allison. I wish we had a couple more hours, but we have one final topic to get you to weigh in on, and that's automation. Of course, it is everywhere and it's going to continue to be everywhere for a long time. Carrie, what does that mean to GP? There's a couple components of automation. You kind of think about the physical automation where we have automatic vehicles moving, transporting, be it inside a warehouse, in a yard. We see a lot more automation there. More automation on the robotic side associated with case packing and packaging and When you think about jobs that are, quite frankly, mundane, repetitive, those are all opportunities for automation and robots. And as we think about a labor market that's super, super tight, those jobs naturally have an opportunity to be automated. So we can ask our workforce to bring their brains to the party instead of their backs and really enable jobs that pay better, that have better paths to success and more progress and prosperity and more money, quite frankly, to pay for that expensive food and to fill stockings at Christmas, right? So it's really about building out jobs that are much more fulfilling for folks. And that automation does solve that riddle. The problem is we can't automate fast enough, right? So lead times on robotics and on guided vehicles are really long. The other piece of automation is kind of the back office automation. And that's where we talk about AI and really intelligence associated with automation. What I see, certainly as we run into 24, our softwares and our tools that we use help us in the supply chain are just getting way smarter. So that AI is building better models, building better productivity, learning faster, quite frankly, than a human can. And so we see benefit on the supply chain side of those tools as they get more robust and really more effective. I think as we talk about the ability of AI to aggregate data to see new insights, so, you know, kind of we've been at it for 50 years, we see the same sets of insights. We use the same sets of data. And really what computer modeling can do is just take that data, ingest it, and spit out insights that we've never seen before. I think the challenge is getting folks to believe it. And so one of the things we do a lot is experimentation. Hey, let's carve off a chunk of data and see how we can pilot what it's telling us to do so it's not wildly disruptive in the short term. But if we start to see benefit, then we can scale that across the large enterprise. So I think lots of stuff happened in automation, both physical to address labor shortages and then on the the AI side with predictive modeling and using AI to make our supply chain smarter. Yes. And I love on the front end of your response there, giving more fulfilling and rewarding and work that will lead to more promotions and money. Man, I'm sure your workforce army of 30,000 folks really can appreciate that. Allison, your thoughts on automation. Carrie offered up some great nuggets there. I really like that term she used on have the workforce bring their brains and not their necessarily their backs. Yes. I think that there's this whole misnomer that the robots are coming to take over your jobs. No, they're coming to take over the jobs nobody else wants. Right. Yeah. And then we're gonna we're gonna plug you in to use your brain over here. That's refreshing. I'm with you. And you know, I can't ever have a conversation about robots without mentioning one of my favorite commercials in recent memory. And I think it was an insurance commercial. It was the setting was at a coffee shop. And the barista, he or she put the wrong name and put Rob Ott. And the robot got really 
really angry about that was using his laser vision. It was such a great commercial. Anyway. I thought you were going somewhere with the Transformers. I thought we were going, coming full circle with the Oh, with Allison, I should have. Oh, man, it's missed opportunity. Yeah. But hey, many aspects of automation. We could be here for hours to talk about all the different ways, you know, from AGVs, AMRs, RPA, machine learning, IoT, blockchain, every acronym under the sun. Of course, artificial intelligence. Here's a little factoid for you. Did you know that AI just in the supply chain market alone is expected? That market is expected to be worth some $40 billion by 2030, just seven years from now, just in that one portion of the market. How about that? Okay, Carrie, thanks again. From Thank agility you. to risk management to automation, really appreciate your thoughts, both as a leader and as you know what it means for the Georgia Pacific family. I got two more questions I want to pose to you. Last month, of course, in October, we celebrate Manufacturing Day every year. I think it's the first Friday of October, right? Yep, you got it. And I mentioned, you know, there's lots of plant tours year round, but particularly that day, great manufacturers like Allison open the doors and let the now generation and the next generation come in and learn. In September, Kerry, I believe you spoke at a women in manufacturing event, WIMS, a great organization out there. It seemed to be like a who's who, a rock and roll performance. Maybe Gino was drumming there <laughs> at the WIMS event. I know that you had probably pages and pages, but what's one key takeaway from your conversations there that you can share here? Well, there were probably a thousand women that represent manufacturing at that conference. It was really empowering. But I will tell you that women are decidedly underrepresented in the manufacturing space. So if women are 50 percent of our workforce, they're only 29 percent of the manufacturing workforce. And so I think it supercharged me in wanting to build out a better pathway to recruit, retain, promote women in manufacturing roles. We just don't have enough visible leadership. And so that's one thing I really am passionate about is being a visible leader in the manufacturing space. I've had a great career in manufacturing and I've had kids and I've had balance. I feel like I've had it all. I haven't had it all at once, but I've had it all. So manufacturing can be a really great space for women. It's not the dark, dingy, dusty world it used to be. Modern factories are really great places to work and manufacturing affords teamwork like like no other. So I think it's a great space for women and we got to do a better job of promoting that. Amen. hundred percent. I think we all have such a responsibility, maybe an obligation, maybe the better word to really provide and nurture and encourage those opportunities to expand and the promotion opportunities as well. It's not enough just to have more folks from all walks of life in industry, but we got to work hard to make sure there's advancement opportunities for all as well. Allison, my hunch, I've known you a long time. My hunch is curious, is singing your love language here. Your thoughts, Allison? Absolutely. You can't be what you can't see, right? Yeah. So we have to be the people for the next generation to say, hey, I want to do that when, when I grow up. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So <laughs> by me seeing someone like Carrie and others in industry, I'm like, oh, okay, we're, we're in good shape. We're in good shape. Uh, man, I'm with you. To kind of close the loop here, Allison, you founded or co-founded the Georgia chapter of Women in Manufacturing. Is that right? Yes. Must have been 13, 14 years ago, something like that. But yeah, the chapter's super active, as are many of the WIM state chapters. There must be nearly 50, if not 50 state chapters. But yeah, if you're watching this from wherever you are, in fact, I want to say the international organization just kind of expanded to an international piece too. So even if you're not listening to this in the lower 48, check us out all over the world. Love that. Okay. So Carrie, thanks again for your time here today. I know you've got several full plates, but if folks want to compare notes or maybe talk shop with you or invite you and maybe to be a keynote, perhaps, how can folks connect with you and the GP team? 
So you can get me on LinkedIn, Gary Shapiro, and gp.com. You can see us in your retailers and Dixie plates and brawny towels and angel soft tissue and quilted northern tissue. So you can see us all over the place. Well, really, you know, we've had the benefit of interviewing a variety of team members at Georgia Pacific over the years. And I tell you, Carrie, y'all just keep setting the bar. And each one of y'all really appreciate how you approach today's conversation. So thanks so much for joining us. Allison, before we let Carrie go, I'm going to move this question up. We'll talk about Carrie as if she's not here. Out of all that Carrie dropped, a whole truckload of brilliance here today. Allison, what was one of your favorite things that Carrie shared? I think she's taken it up a notch. So instead of just kind of talking about supply chain resiliency and figuring out what's next. The fact that we've talked about things being robust and transparent, like it's, it's, we're no longer, it doesn't sound like Carrie, doesn't sound like GP is no, they're no longer settling for, all right, how do we do par or just above it? It's how do you do the four steps above par? How do you Mm. do above and beyond? So that's my takeaway. Well said, Allison. Business as usual, they're no longer Carrie's water. It hasn't for years. And I appreciate, Carrie, what you and your team are doing. So big thanks to Carrie Shapiro, Vice President of Sourcing Execution with Georgia Pacific. We'll see you soon, Carrie. Thanks so much. And by the way, big thanks to Layla, Tom, Rachel, and the team as part of the GP team as well. Really appreciate you helping to bring Carrie and her valuable perspective here. All right, Allison, really have enjoyed our hour here today. Really appreciated your perspective and Carrie, I thought was a home run guest. Yes. I already asked you about the key takeaway. I've got my 17 pages of notes here, but how can folks, if they want to get involved with what you do in industry or of the Dave Krejci Foundation, or maybe want to have you come in and keynote or share your observations, how can folks connect with you, Allison? I would love to hear from folks on LinkedIn. I'm very easily accessible there. I'm, I hang out often. So Allison Giddens on LinkedIn. And be sure to connect, follow. You're not going to want to miss, like we were talking about on the front end. I love folks, Allison, and I think you and I are kindred spirits here, where we take the day-to-day what takes place, whether it's at work or at home, and there's all sorts of leadership and business lessons and really just life lessons. And you have a gift for putting all that together and then you know writing it down and sharing that with folks, because I think a lot of folks benefit from that. So make sure you connect with or follow Allison Giddens out there across the social interwebs. All right, folks, thank y'all for being here today. Really enjoyed. What a great episode of The Buzz. Greg White, we miss you. You're on assignment out there making big things happen. He'll be back with us next week. Allison, I'm cheering for both your Bulldogs and your Yellow Jackets, you know, because you've got dual degrees. I do. I do. So yes, yes. I'm just Team Allison, (laughs) if I'm keeping it frank. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. I'm a big fan. Thanks for being here. Always a pleasure to knock out these shows with you. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right, folks. To all you listening or watching out there, here's your homework. Take something that Carrie said or Allison said or folks have dropped in the comments. Take something and put it into action. Not only will your businesses benefit, but your people sure will appreciate. Let's find a way to make life easier for them these days here in 2023 before we head into a brand new year. But whatever you do, Scott Luton challenge you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Sapache Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.